0: I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Ralph Murray from Door County, Wisconsin, way up in the northern reaches of the Midwest. Murray estimates he's had roughly 30 or so occupations in his adult life, but primarily he's earned money as an architect. Lately, he's been serving as Poet Laureate of Door County, Wisconsin. He's the author of several books of poetry and done some very interesting projects with poetry that we'll be talking about. Then I'm gonna talk a little bit about the importance of reading for writing poetry with a specific example of award-winning New York City poet Eileen Miles. I'm Charlie Rossiter and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Ralph Murray from Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, which is way up in northern Wisconsin in an area called Door County. And he's actually the poet laureate of Door County and he also publishes Little Eagle Press up there. And uh, we're going to talk to him about his projects, his poetry, and even what it's like to be a Poet Laureate way up there in Door County. So, Ralph, wow, I'm really glad you're with me today. Hello, Charlie. Thanks a
1: lot for this opportunity. Yeah, what's it really like to be a Poet Laureate? I'll have to admit that uh, this is my first podcast, so I'm not sure if I have the proper helmet and equipment on, but uh, we'll give it a go. Uh, uh, Yeah, Door County is that peninsula that sticks out into Lake Michigan. It really amounts to three separate communities in a way. Uh, The northern end of the county, the furthest extremity, uh, is what's most familiar to tourists um, and is often compared to Cape Cod. Where I'm living now and just recently moved to is Sturgeon Bay. Which is a, an industrial and shipbuilding town, uh, and then the southern part of the county, which uh, is uh, often not thought of at all, is uh, largely agricultural and has a Belgian and Bohemian heritage.
0: The place is really interesting, and as you say, it's it's a it's a tremendous uh, tourist attraction. It's also fun to go there in the in the off season uh when the population is down because it is uh like cape cod a place that kind of has one major road that runs up the middle of it which can get a little congested in the summertime because i recall (laughs)
1: exactly exactly (laughs) so it seems odd enough that that a place like this uh should nominate a poet laureate but uh well there it is there is such a thing i didn't just
0: make it up well, it's kind of an artsy area, though it does attract uh, visual artists and writers. Uh, it's always been my impression. Yes, this
1: is uh, very much an artist community, uh, and has been for quite some time. And it's the the oh, right. of the the overlap of the arts uh, that interests me uh, quite a lot. Uh, those connections between musicians and poets and visual artists and even dancers uh, have great interest to me
0: well and uh, as an architect that obviously gets you involved heavily in the visual so i can see where you're you're performing in both arenas even if if you don't go out and do i don't know what you do with architectural drawings you give them to the clients i guess but anyway you you are involved with visual as well as as words. So, anyway, for a poem, um, does it have anything to do with that?
1: Let's uh, let's begin with this. Maybe as good as anything. About uh, ten years ago or so, I had the good fortune to travel to Buenos Aires, and uh, a young woman there taught me a proverb: "In your life, you must do these three things: raise a child, plant a tree, write a book." Uh, So I took that to heart in fact I guess I had already done quite a few of those things uh, but here's a little poem that addresses some of it it's called Will and Testament. They'll need to know this much the two strong sons to know what beside their flesh and progeny I leave. The jack pines I planted I'll tell them over a half century old those that survived the first summer It was dry. But they're sold with the ground that holds your grandparents' ash, I'll tell them. There are the boats I built, I'll tell them, the green-painted boats. But those are sold too, I'll tell them, with the sunlight on the bay. And the houses, I'll say, drawn and built by these hands. And yours, I'll proudly add. Sold now, but think of the times we had, the roof beams and hell we raised and the poems i'll say here are the poems couldn't sell those i'll tell them truthfully gave them away here are books of them boys thin books it's true with few words but they're like new here are the poems
0: oh yeah do you uh, <laughs> write many poems about like family kind of things like that i'm not really aware of that Would um
1: i Uh, I've written a few things about both of my parents and a considerable amount about uh, loves found and lost, (laughs) love gone aright and awry. But it was really writing a eulogy for my father in 1999 that got me seriously started writing. Uh, And it was a few years after that when uh, our old friend Norbert Bly pretty much gave me permission to start thinking of myself as a poet.
0: In in terms of that writing, uh, writing the eulogy, can you articulate what that did for you? I mean, did it it make you think differently of your father or of the relationship or, I don't know, uh, Um, just a general question. Did, Did the writing make it different because you decided a little bit more, gee, I want to write. It's true that it did, it affected
1: me in having to put things into words about my father or in deciding to put things into words about my father. I had done odds and ends of writing before that, but it was the first time I really had something going on. And while i I don't necessarily consider that eulogy to be a piece of poetry. It certainly had some poetic elements. And I began to see my father and my relationship with him as as being the stuff of poetry in some way that I
0: had not considered before. Yeah, they they say that that um I mean I think I believe it too, that when you address a subject and and You can write for yourself at first, like in a journal or whatever, and and it helps clarify things. But then even if you go back more, quote, professionally, let's say, because you'd like to publish it, and you look more closely and start revising it, you see the thing more clearly that you're writing about.
1: Yes, I I think it's absolutely uh, true, and, uh, you know, while in the In writing the eulogy, I thought I knew where I was going with the piece, but was surprised to find that I I didn't know where I was going. And I think a lot of my friends have heard me say this maybe too often, but if you sit down to write something and you know exactly where you're going, well, you may very well have what it takes to write a good essay, but I doubt very much if that will turn into a good poem. Because I think in poetry writing, we really need to, the poet himself or herself, really needs to be surprised by, by where it goes.
0: Wow. Uh, a point for poetry about how it will it'll teach you something you didn't even know you were trying to find out. It, well, I think
1: that's exactly true, exactly true. Someone along the way uh, said, uh, and I don't know, I, I should know whose quote this is, but I don't, but he uh, said, I, I, I write to find out what I'm thinking. <laughs> and
0: uh,
1: yeah. I think there are uh, there is a region of the brain that cannot be accessed until we sit down and begin uh, kind of randomly writing. Just just pen on paper or or computer if that's your thing, but actually begin writing a line, another line, and see where it goes.
0: Yeah, and going back to something you mentioned earlier, um, writing about ships, you were in a, I won't say unique position, because someone else is in that position too. You co-wrote a book of poems, with an important woman in your life, poet Sharon Albany, who was on one of our earlier podcasts. And uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about how that worked from uh, from your perspective? We got her well, perspective a little bit. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, Sharon and I uh, have at some points lived together. We are not currently, but we're, we're very much uh, still partners in a way, certainly poetry partners. And, uh, and that book, it's called The uh, Wind Where Music Was. It, it was a compilation of, of both of our poetry and, and was put together in a way. We did not write poems specifically for the book, but pulled back through both of our collections of poems. Uh, I don't think it's giving away too much to say that we've both been married twice. and. Uh, while the book may read, we hope it does read in such a way that you follow along and and, uh, go through love's gone aright and awry, as I like to say, uh, Mm -hmm. that there's a continuity to it and to relationships in general, I hope, that are way beyond our own specific um, experience.
0: Well, well, you acted on that, I believe, Didn't I read somewhere that you do not identify the author of the individual poems? So it wouldn't necessarily—it's not a back and forth at all. It's the two. It's these poems about what they're about, that, and it may or may not be a male or female writing the poem.
1: That's exactly correct, Charlie. Uh, we we didn't want someone to say, "Oh, this is the woman. This is the woman's uh, viewpoint. This is the man's viewpoint." In a few of the poems, I think it's pretty obvious uh, whether it's a male or a female voice. But we didn't want that to be um, the topic of the book. As I like, oh, and he said this, and she said that. Uh, so we we left uh, we'd like to uh, have a, the bit
0: of mystery there. Uh, yeah, and you avoid the stereotypes. You can't just say, "Well, yeah, women say that." Guys always come off of that viewpoint. Exactly.
1: So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. I, stereotypes get to be what they are because there's some truth to them, of course, but I think yeah. it's it's way overdone and, and, and uh, can be so prejudicial.
0: Yeah, could limit your view of the poem uh, if you don't come into it just open-minded. So uh, let's hear another poem. Um, well,
1: maybe, I, let me look. Here's one uh, that, in fact, is not in that book, but is very much about that sort of uh, relationship. Um, it's it's a, a more recent poem that I wanted to include here. It was done on a, on a prompt, really, from Marty McConnell, the wonderful Chicago poet. It's called, But We Were Beautiful, no? In that illicit country, of the uncountable injured where we shivered in the heat of that night, the height and the sky falling so close all around there were constellations tangled in your hair. Forget or remember, either way, there was salt in the air a thousand miles from any ocean. And how could we not dance listening to that music and, is it too easy to say, glistening in the liquid, in the languid of that place, and kneeling at the altars of that nighttime nation, of that small defenseless nation, where we were beautiful, no? And how could we not make sacrifices to those gods just over us there, that close, and worry later, if we worry at all about those in the clover and grass to which we go? What exactly was the prompt? I'm curious. The prompt was to describe a specific night, some specific Uh. night in your life. Uh, But uh, Marty gives these tremendous prompts that go on for about a page uh, and and give you many ways to look at it and many things to consider about whatever whatever the Uh main prompt is. Uh, really, uh, rather tremendous uh, aid to uh, to getting into mm-hmm. your recesses.
0: Yeah, she is a really good poet. This gets back to I think to, was this at a, at a Norblei, uh part of a workshop with uh, him, or is that just uh, something else? Actually, actually, I met Marty
1: at the Clearing, which is a, a wonderful arts uh, camp here
0: in the county. And, and Norb was was a pretty important mentor for you. I believe you've said.
1: Oh, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, he published my first book of poetry uh, and asked me for a manuscript before I ever really thought of myself as poet. Uh, we, He and I had been exchanging some emails on, on other topics, uh, political mostly, and uh, I ran a poem by him that I had attempted because i i knew that he had written about the same character uh, an old man up here that we'd both known uh anyway then I, I ran into him one day and he said i want to see a manuscript from you <laughs> it's flabbergasted oh, great. Me. <laughs> especially in terms of poetry because i had no idea what a what a manuscript of poetry even looked like other than just a big stack of poems
0: oh. That's great. Well, he certainly encouraged an awful lot of people. Uh, who look back at Norb and uh, remember how much he helped them. Speaking of publishing, now you do Little Eagle Press, and, and I thought that reverse project you did was was somehow it really worked. It was all poems that had been previously published. Tell a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, um, that that was called Little Eagles Re slash verse or reverse. I started the publishing company oddly enough uh, to cover up for the fact that I was self-publishing a few of my my own books of poetry, but in the process wound up uh, publishing uh, 10 books uh, of others, uh, including a couple anthologies. But then was a little disillusioned about printed poetry. I still love it, but uh, it's a hard sell. And I knew that. So I, I wanted to do something online, and uh, which if there wasn't going to be sales, I might as well just give it away online, right? Uh, yeah. But I, I'd been hearing uh, complaints from a number of poets that, that there just wasn't any market at all for something that had been published anywhere before. So I decided to do that reverse uh, as for only previously published poems, so there would be a place to put them, and uh, in the in the process, I I that project lasted four years, and I shouldn't say that it's totally over. It's on a, a lengthy hiatus at this point. I think we did something like six hundred uh, uh, different entries, different posts on that, um, and with each of them. I included a piece of artwork of some kind, uh, m- many of which were my own drawings. Right. It's
0: still available, correct?
1: It's still online at littleeaglereverse.blogspot.com. Uh, Great. Uh, it's there. All all the entries are there. You can uh, scroll down and find the author's name and, and find all the pieces that they've done. Yeah um so uh, that's a resource that that uh, will be continue to be there i guess so long as Blogspot
0: doesn't right <laughs> and you say you may return to it someday if you get if you get motivated in that direction
1: i i may and i may uh. well uh, return to to print publications as well but i've uh, uh i've got a little exhausted to tell you the truth
0: well, and, and you've got to be busy running around being a poet laureate. I mean, I understand that too. <laughs> well, do you get pro- do, you you do, a project a, do you do I little projects with that? Do you do little projects like go to a school or something?
1: Uh, I've done uh, a little bit of work with the school, very little, mm-hmm. uh, but I've organized a few uh, readings and and uh, am yeah. involved. Fairly often with that, it's certainly not overwhelming, uh, but uh, it's it's a fulfilling thing. In another way, in another way, it's a little bit stifling to your to one's own poetry because Mm. you feel that everything you write is supposed to be good. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: that's terrible pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's hear another poem.
1: No, I'm going to put this one in. We we're. Let's face it, 2016 has been a year of terrible loss. And mm, uh,
0: yeah.
1: and as poets, we lost an election, let's face it. I, I just, uh, <laughs> there's not much I can say other than that about it. And while I don't write a lot of topical poetry, I, I did a little traveling down through the heartland of the country in September and saw nothing but signs for our opponent. So I I wrote this uh, in maybe a little precognition of of the way things might go. It starts, uh, it has an epigraph by Pablo Neruda. We need to sit on the rim of the well of darkness and fish for fallen light. Poems called Lights Out is it to be you over there against us here or are we together somewhere in this labyrinth of want or need and is it greed on my part to desire still to have and hold some old bit of civility will we sit across a table or shall we build some towering wall on the border of red and blue a fence on the boundary of us and you place guns if we're able along the rim of lake and sea bunkers on the banks of every river where we'll hunker down upon the sodden shores of enmity can we both drink from the one well we know or will my kids or yours have to let go of this sweet water and drink gall then when it's all darkness Will some child again find a match and candle, and will some new savior feed a few from loaf and fish, do you suppose? And will some great, great, grand wish for some sort of monument in that place we've fallen and say it's right to remember the ones who shot out the
0: light? So there's still really a lot of signs out there in the heartland, eh?
1: Well, it's true, and not the. I don't think that uh, uh, front yard signs are particularly a good way of uh, managing a campaign <laughs> or, or even gauging one. But as I drove down through the states that are predictably red states,
0: yeah,
1: I was a little taken to see 99.99% Trump signs and, and occasionally uh, going through a small college town I might see one
0: Clinton sign. Hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned Neruda uh, with with the uh, at the beginning of that poem. You say he's he's often a source of inspiration for you. Neruda, yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. So and uh, <laughs> so much so that I've I've taken to studying Spanish since I can only uh, read him in in, in uh, translation. Yeah uh though i always try to make my way through the spanish version of the poem um that poem and i i I don't like bringing up Mm -hmm. form or anything like that before reading a poem but it's just incidental that it's a a sort of poem called the golden shovel and the last word of each of my lines was a word from the quote uh, the neruda quote that i gave you
0: oh Uh, i love that so that is if, great.
1: If, if we read down, if we, again, if we read down the last words of each of my lines, mm-hmm. it says, We need to sit on the rim of the well of darkness and fish for
0: fallen light. Oh, that is really good. So, that was a good problem. Glad you did that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it, it,
1: it's, it's, uh, it's just, it, it's a sort
0: of, it's what poets do
1: yeah uh th- that's a, a form or or a, a way of getting at a poem that I've just recently learned about but it's it's a fascinating thing to try to do and uh i guess I use rhyme in a lot of my poetry in that in that same way i'm playing around with rhymes and then i'm then i start connecting the dots <laughs> and uh in this one I, I have this string of words laid out and i know where they have to fall and and then, uh, and it's a matter of connecting the dots great and uh uh i, I had great fun doing that and I'm, and I'm
0: glad you got that in there it's extremely topical we're about out of time ralph that was quick uh so I um, really want to thank you for being here ralph murray and uh, sharing all this with us i appreciate it i have one very short
1: piece i could close with if you'd like do it as waves Born of water and salt, we'll each rise, pushing our little wrinkle just above the surface of the rumpled and unironed sea, the puddle, the pond, the Pacific, and at the right moment, we'll each share the far shore, the selvage of this fabric, perhaps having rocked a boat, perhaps having reflected the light of stars, everything. And nothing at all changed by our passing.
0: Uh, Ending on a philosophical note, that's even better. I'm glad (laughs) you're with me today, Ralph. We're glad to hear your words and your poems. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Chad. Listening to poetry spoken here, we've just heard the poems of Ralph Murray about in Door County, Wisconsin, where he is the local poet laureate. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about the importance of reading for writing, with the example of Eileen Miles. You know, reading poetry can be a great source of pleasure for anyone, but it's more than a pleasure for those who want to write poetry. It's essential if you're serious about writing poetry you know you've got to read a lot of poetry. You read and reread old favorites. You're constantly on the lookout for poets who are new to you, who might provide insight and inspiration into how you might do things a little differently and write better poems. Eileen Miles is a poet whose work has helped me. I first came across her maybe 20 years ago through her book, Not Me, that I found in a bookstore somewhere, probably woodland pattern. Uh, Something about her style appealed to me. I particularly like the way she uses short lines and surprising juxtapositions to present provocative narratives about her life in New York City. Here's an excerpt from her poem, Peanut Butter, that begins with an interesting juxtaposition. Peanut Butter. I'm always hungry and wanting to have sex. This is a fact. If you get right down to it, the new unprocessed peanut butter is no damn good. And you should buy it in a jar, as always, in the largest supermarket you know. And I'm an enemy of change, as you know. All the things I embrace as new are in fact old things, re-released. Swimming. The sense of being dirty in body and mind. Summer as a time to do nothing and make no money. Prayer as a last resort. Pleasure as a means. And then a means again with no ends in sight. I am absolutely in opposition to all kinds of goals. I have no desire to know where this, anything, is getting me. When the border boils, I get a cup of tea. That's not the end poem continues on shifting she began later talks to a lover parts of your body i think of as stripes which i have learned to love along we swim naked in ponds and i write behind your back my thoughts about you are not exactly forbidden but exalted because they are useless not intended to get you because i have you and you love me it's more like a playground where i play with my reflections of you Until you come back, and into the real you, I get to sink my teeth. And even that is not the end of the poem. I lean Miles' peanut butter, and I find it inspiring. The lines in that poem are roughly two to five words each, so that what's being said seems to roll out of Miles' mind and directly onto the page. And that kind of thing is just extremely appealing. There's another example in the same vein. Notice also how she moves from internal matters to the external world. This is called the sadness of leaving. Everything's so far away. My jacket's over there. I'm terrified to go and you won't miss me. I'm terrified by the bright blues of the subway. Other days I'm so happy and prepared to believe that everyone walking down the street is someone I know. The oldness of Macy's impresses me. The wooden escalators as you get higher up to the furniture. Credit. Lampshades. You shopped here as a kid. Oh, you deserve me. In a movie called Close Up, once in a while, the wiggly bars. Notice the wiggly blue bars of subway entrances? The grainy beauty? The smudge? I won't kill myself today. It's too beautiful. My heart breaking down 23rd Street. To share this with you, the sweetness of the frame, my body in perfect shape for nothing but death, I want to show you this. An excerpt from The Sadness of Leaving by a wonderful poet Eileen Miles. I hope you can get some idea of how Miles constructs her poems from these couple of brief examples. I also hope you can imagine how reading an entire book of poems like these might give a poet ideas and provide role models for new poems that might be written. Miles is getting some well-deserved positive press lately for her new book, I Must Be Living Twice, new and selected poems. She's won many awards for her poetry, and she's certainly a poet worth searching out and reading, both for pleasure and for inspiration. I'm Charlie Lasseter, and this has been Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak for you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Monday. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere.